Amen. Y'all could be seated. How many of you are uh, big fans of Mark Twain? He's got some one-liners unlike anybody else out there. I remember one I came across one time. He said, God should have told Adam and Eve not to eat the serpent. <laughs> the one I want to share this morning says this. He said, few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. <laughs> he said that even before Facebook, <laughs> right? Why do we bring that up today? Because we've been looking at an example that Paul is calling the Philippian believers to, and he's calling you and I to today as well. An example of unity and humility. And last week, as Bill preached, you remember, he pointed us to the ultimate example, Jesus. Just a brief highlight, chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 6, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And we're going to find in today's passage, verse 12, Paul starts out, therefore. And what that therefore is there for, he's going to tell us, in light of that, believer, you're supposed to live like Jesus. How many of us like, live like Jesus? Whoa. And that's where we get to this example struggle. Warren Wearsby put it this way. Admiration for a great person can inspire us, but it cannot enable us. Unless the person can enter into our own lives we cannot attain to the heights of accomplishment. It takes more than an example on the outside. It takes power on the inside. And what I want to start out by saying this morning is Jesus is more than just our example. He is also our empowerment. Because the risen Lord lives inside of every believer. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside every believer. And that's where we get the power to follow him. And Paul's going to call us to follow him in three specific ways. I'm going to use all S's to help make it memorable. First, he's going to call us to exert some spiritual sweat. He's going to call us to shine like stars. And he's going to call us to live lives that are sweet-smelling sacrifices to our Father. And I want to start with the spiritual sweat. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. He says that Philippian church, as you have always obeyed. Evidently, they had a good track record of following Jesus. But Paul's going to get into with them, and the question is good for us too, who do you do it for? Who do you do it for? He says, don't only do it when I'm there watching you. Do it in my absence. In other words, he's saying, don't do it for me. 
And really, don't do it for any other man or woman. Don't do it for the pastor. Don't do it for those other people sitting next to you on Sunday morning. Do it for who? Do it for the Lord. That's character, right? That's integrity. How I live when nobody around me is watching except for God. Do it, do it for Him. And what's He tell them to do? To work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, how many of us who know Paul is the apostle of grace and faith in the blood of Jesus are saying, hold on a second. Does this contradict some other stuff you wrote like in Romans about justification by faith? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I, th I thought salvation was a gift accepted by grace through faith. And it is. You all know Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So is Paul contradicting himself? Not at all. Many have pointed out the important distinction here. He does not say work for your salvation. He says work out your own salvation. In other words, work out what God has already worked in you by the gift of grace. How do we know this? Verse 13. You've got to read Scripture in context. You can't just yank one verse. Verse 13 balances it out. 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 13, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We work out what he has worked in as a gift of grace. Now, when it says God who works in you, that's a really picturesque word in the Greek. It's the word where we get energy from. We have a very active, energetic God who lives in us, believers, and he wants to, to work in our lives and, and do some things. And it's not just the doing. Did you notice what it says in verse 13? It says both to will and to work. So believer, even the desires you have to serve him, guess what? That's God in you putting those desires there. John and I saw this on Friday. John needed rides to church on the weekend, and, and, and we were praying about that, weren't we, John, up at Dunkin' Donuts? Lord, please, please lay this on somebody's heart. And guess what? Later on that afternoon, John texted me and said, David Valdivia called me and said he's going to bring me to church here and at our new location. You know what I told John? That's interesting because I didn't call Dave, but God must have. <laughs> God put that desire in Dave's heart and answered our prayer that same afternoon to, to will and to work. So we work out what he works in. You go for a run. You sweat, right? But you only sweat because you've already put some liquid in there, whether it's water or Gatorade. You can't sweat if there wasn't any liquid in there to begin with, right? You can't work out your own salvation unless God has put that salvation in there as a gift by grace through faith. And I really think you have to rest in the truth of that to get the ultimate motivation to serve him anyway because it's gratitude that drives us. When we know, like I was reading in Psalm 106, and Israel was going through one of their seasons of discipline, and I, I read a beautiful verse 
that said, for their sake, God remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. I thought, man, if he remembered that covenant and he relented according to his steadfast love, how much more does he remember the covenant under the blood of his own son in our lives? It's when we know that and appreciate it that we have motivation to, to work it out. Because how many of you know Ephesians 2, that, that passage we read goes on to verse 10. After he says we're not saved by works, what does he say? He says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're created for good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Every believer in here. I like the way one man put it, that the Christian faith is opposed to earning. It's opposed to earning salvation. But the Christian faith is not opposed to effort. That's why I talk about spiritual sweat. When we work out what he has worked in, it's, it's going to take some effort on our part as we cooperate by faith with the Holy Spirit and the risen Lord who lives within us. One man explained it like this. In salvation, it's like you've been given this mine filled with precious gems. Okay, but what are you going to do with that mine? You're just going to leave it sitting there until you get to heaven someday? Or you've been given a field with all kinds of potential for crops. What are you going to do? You're just going to let it sit there until you get to heaven someday? Or are you going to go work that field and, and maximize its potential in your moment-by-moment moment life? The, the things you think, the, the things you say, the, the things you do. So you say, okay, okay, but what about that with fear and trembling part? Work out your own salvation with fear and, and trembling. Again, you've got to look at the context, whole New Testament here. We know from John, this is not the kind of fear that, that fears God is going to strip his salvation away from one of his children. What does John tell us about perfect love? It casts out fear of that sort. What does Paul tell us in Romans 8? Therefore, there is now no condemnation. It's not that kind of fear and trembling. So what is he talking about? I think there's a couple possibilities. Number one, it's just this humility before God. As you work out what he has worked in, it's this humility that acknowledges if he uses me, if he uses you, it's not because I'm, like my friend Josh used to say, all that in a bag of chips. You guys have any friends that said that? <laughs> yeah, Larry did. It's not because of that. It's because it's him. And that keeps us humble as he uses us. It, it, you know what it does? It keeps us on our knees in prayer, asking him as broken vessels to work his mighty power through us. We did that on behalf of the whole church on Wednesday night as we prepare for this new chapter we, we used an acronym, and, and we said, Lord, fill up our cups as we prepare for this new season. Cups, give us clarity, give us unity, give us peace, give us strength. Why? Because we need his power if we're going to advance his kingdom as a church. It, it's him working in us, so it keeps us humble. I suspect Paul 
may have also had another fear in mind here. I think one of the biggest fears Paul had in his life is that he would reach the end and look back with regret that he had not run flat out for Jesus. That's why he always talked about, I don't just run the race, I, I run it to win, right? Even in verse 16 in this passage, just to jump forward a little bit, he, he says, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. I think there's a healthy fear in the life of the believer not to squander the opportunities that God puts right under our noses. Run the race to win. Don't be afraid to exert some spiritual sweat. Yeah, not in your own flesh, not in your own power, in the power of the risen Lord who works within you. Okay, we're supposed to shine like stars. Shine like stars. Verse 14, what's that look like? Well, he gets real uncomfortably practical right away. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Like what one author said, most of us read that and can say, hey, yeah, I do some things without grumbling and disputing, but all things? Did he just say all? He did. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I read that phrase, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That was true in Paul's day. How many of you know it's true today? Just look around, right? We can easily see the darkness. We saw it in the lives of a couple people in our church recently. Daniel on Friday was doing some premarital counseling down in Phoenix. While he was doing premarital counseling, somebody smashed the window on his car, took his backpack that had a laptop and... and Daniel said there were three Bibles in there that the thief is going to have to deal with too, but <laughs> this is a reminder. We live in a dark world, even up here in Prescott Valley in Viewpoint. One day I was working at home on the sermon and Carolyn pulled into the van with the boys and, and she said, help me get the boys in quick. I said, what's going on? And she pointed up there, there's a policeman with his rifle out and there are three or four police vehicles. We're like, what's going on? Thankful they were there. Turns out there was an attempted burglary going on. It is a dark world. You could, you could explain the darkness a million ways, but you know what that is for the believer? That is job confirmation. That is why we are here. We are here as ambassadors of Jesus to shine like stars in the middle of this darkness. It's job confirmation. How do we do that? Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Holding fast to the word of life, the, the scriptures, the, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. He says, hold it fast. Do not let it go. How many of you know this world tries a million ways to get you to throw that aside? Throw that aside. That ancient book you believe. Throw it aside. He said, don't hold fast. That's the word of life. That's the word they need. But it's not just hold fast. That same word can also be translated hold forth. So some have explained it as though the word of life is a torch. Now my son Luke, four years old, has been 
learning a whole new language of British English because he watches Peppa Pig. To him, torches a flashlight. Okay, also we were near a gas station one time and he spoke about petrol. <laughs> well, whether you think of a torch as a flashlight, the word of life, or that old-fashioned fire flame, hold it fast. Hold it forth. That is why we are here. Now I want you to think about something. Christ is the light of the world, right? And he lives inside of every believer, right? Yes. Does Christ's brightness change? Is he sometimes more bright and sometimes less bright? No. Hebrews tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I thought about something. I thought about something that happened with our Kia Optima one time back in the day when we had that car. Over time, you'd turn the headlights on, and you'd go out at night, and you could barely see anything. Like, Man, what in the world? And it wasn't until my friend Eric Hart was at our house one day. He's like, dude, you need some of that turtle stuff on them lenses to get those lenses cleaned up. We got that, and next time we went out driving at night, we're like, wow, what a difference. Did the light bulbs in the car get any brighter or change? No, what happened? The lens got cleaned up. So what are some ways that, that our lenses, the lens of our lives, need cleaned up? Well, he told us right at the beginning here, do all things without grumbling, complaining, you know, disputing, bickering, that you may be blameless and innocent, shine as lights in the world. So part of worship, listen, is confession. If you read that and you say, God, your Holy Spirit's pointing on the fact that I, I'm a complainer. I grumble a lot. I dispute a lot. I bicker a lot. And I confess that I am holding back that light from shining brightly in my life. Lord, I bring that to the cross. Cleanse me, Jesus. Wash that clean and help me to step out of here this morning walking as you tell me to walk in your power not complaining, but filled with joy, not disputing, but filled with peace. That's part of worship. That's part of worship. Shine as stars. Final one. We're to live lives that are sweet-smelling sacrifices. Verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out, as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and, and rejoice with me. Rejoice comes up over and over in this book, as we said, even though he's writing from imprisonment, even though he's suffering. But what's this picture where he says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith? goes back to the Old Testament. Some of the animal sacrifices were, were accompanied by a, a liquid sacrifice poured either on or around the altar. Okay, and he's looking at their sacrificial offering and he's saying, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon that, I rejoice. What's he talking about? Dying, yeah. Even if it costs me my life, I rejoice. How can you talk like that, Paul? You, you cannot talk like that if you're all focused on me and my comfort. The only way he could talk like that is because he was focused on the glory of God. 
in his life. He knew those Old Testament scriptures that said time and time again, those offerings were a sweet-smelling aroma, pleasing to the Lord. And he wanted his life to be just like that for the glory of God. And when he talks about his life being poured out upon their sacrificial offering, he's saying, I know you're suffering too. And if it takes my faithfulness even in death to encourage you, then I'm okay with that. I rejoice. Why? Because he was focused not only on the glory of God, but also the good of others that, that he served. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So we prepare to close this morning. I want to close with a real practical example. And, and we could bring this up a number of different ways in this church. I have the privilege of seeing this stuff all the time as God uses you guys and your spiritual gifts. But there are two ladies I want to invite up. As, as we talk about spiritual sweat and shining stars and sweet-smelling sacrifices, I want to invite them down here. No pressure now, ladies. We've really got you built up. There's... Come on down. Don't be shy. Beth and Laura, there's something that God did in the lives of these two women recently that I just want you guys to hear. And then when they're done sharing uh, what happened, I'll, I'll come back up here and, and wrap us up. There you go. Thank you. All right. Well, there's nothing like public speaking to uh, work out your salvation and fear and trembling. So I got to move around so you guys don't see how... Nervous I am, or spiritual sweat. I don't know about this mic. It just creates sweaty palms, so <laughs> apologies. Okay, so last Sunday, the Lord did an amazing thing right here in this room, kind of in that corner. But before I share that story, we need to backtrack to early January. Well, in one fell swoop, the little leadership team of the women's ministry was reduced to one, me. <laughs> and if there was ever a time in my life that I felt like Gideon, it was then. Do you remember the story of Gideon when the angel of the Lord came to him and told him to rise up, mighty warrior? What? Me? I'm the least of my clan. And even of that, I'm the smallest. Right then and there with that phone call, the disappointment was great. The discouragement was even greater. And right there I prayed, I can't do this on my own. I need help. So early January, the prayer started rising. You know, Lord, just move on someone's heart to step up. Lord, I can't do this. I need help. And then I met with Scott and Carolyn to go over some of the thoughts and ideas and the names that the Lord has placed. And it was with that coffee. Scott, do you even remember some of the details? You asked me, well, what are you looking for so we could kind of help you? Do you remember? <laughs> the Lord is so faithful. He's always at work. And so last Sunday, when I saw the Phillips arrive for the 10 o'clock service, it came to mind, I'm like, I really need to talk to her after. 
And so after the service, I made a point of going to Laura. And after catching up a little bit, I asked her, you know, Laura, would you be interested? Would you even consider helping out with the women's ministry? And after explaining briefly of the change that occurred, I'm like, I need help. I can't do it on my, by myself. And at that moment, Laura's eyes started to tear up. And then she's like, I got chills. And I was thinking, what's wrong? <laughs> what did I say? And I'll hand it over to her. What Beth didn't know for well over a year, or maybe longer, we moved from California over four years ago. And I was involved in the women's ministry for many years in California. But here, we sat back and uh, it just and just took in the word and church. And there was not much opportunity to serve in the min women's ministry at the other church we attended. And um, that was okay. And I was praying, Lord, if you can use me at any time, please send someone. And um, a year continued, my husband knows. And um, so that's last week when Beth came to me. I, literally, my mouth was open. And I just, why am I surprised? You know, God answers prayers, either yes, no, or wait. In my situation, it was wait for a couple years, probably. And so I just said to her, oh, my goodness, you don't know. But, and so when I explained to her, I've been praying that if the Lord could use me in any way, send someone. And so he did. And so whatever the Lord has, we're excited to see in the women's ministry what is going to transpire. So... You know, we're humble servants of the Lord, and whatever's good in us is of him. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. And, yeah, I think at that moment, we just kind of realized what was just transpiring, that the Lord is answering the prayers, all those prayers that I prayed, others prayed, and then the years-long worth of praying, we just kind of stood there, kind of like awestruck, kind of like, wow. You were, the, you were like the Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will open. Yeah, Matthew 7, 7. That was like immediately when Beth was talking to me, I, that scripture came to mind, and it was like, never give up. You know, the Lord, as long as we're in his will, he's going to use us where he wants us. So we are excited because this is obviously something that the Lord's hand is upon. So thank you. And also just regarding prayer, one thing is that he is always at work. No matter what you're going through, whatever you're facing, even if it feels like those pieces aren't coming together, it's in his timing. So Amen. praise the Lord. Thank you. And a little plug. February 1st, this Tuesday is when the ladies' group starts out in Coyote Springs. So they'll be out there in the lobby taking sign-ups. Daniel, staying strong in a hostile world. But do you see it? 
You, you see the, the spiritual sweat there? They're, they're working out what God worked in. Like I even think where it said to will and to work, how he put that will in you a year before it was to come to be and put the, the will and the work in both of you. Where's he calling you today to work out your own salvation, to, to exert some spiritual sweat? What about the shining stars? Do you see how God shined through them, through this situation to encourage not only each other, but encourage all of us? I mean, doesn't it, like they said, it speaks to us of God's sovereignty and his provision, right? Like for, for Beth, it was two days after a prayer. It was relatively quick. For Laura, it was like one year after a prayer, but I, I believe in God's divine plan it was, it was designed a long time before that. He wants to shine in our lives, too. Are we prepared for that? Is there any grumbling or disputing that we need to confess and get out of the way so he can, he can do it? And last but not least, I think about the, the sweet-smelling sacrifice. When, when Beth shared that, that line about Gideon with us, that was not without emotion. That was filled with tears. Just feeling desperate, feeling alone, and all of us have been there in ministry at some point, huh? Whatever you're called to, you just look at what you're called to and say, whoa, whoa, what kept her going? I believe it was that God called her to keep going, and she obeyed. And that obedience in that difficult moment was a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Lord. Where's God calling you? It will cost you something. It will cost you something. Are you prepared to, to pay that price, to say yes, for the glory of God and the good of others? I can't stand up here and promise you that, that serving God will be easy. You will not find that in the Bible. I promise you, whatever trials you face, it will be more than worth it in the end. And you will find reason to rejoice, even in the middle of the sacrifice, just as Paul did. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that your word doesn't just put Jesus out as this example and say, now go try your hardest in your own power. No, salvation is that gift by grace through faith. And then out of that, by your spirit, by the risen Lord within us, as we cooperate in faith, you, you help us exert the spiritual sweat you call us to, to, to shine like stars in this world and to live lives that are sweet-smelling sacrifices. I ask that you do that in the lives of each believer here today. Also ask if there's anyone in here who needs to hear the message of the gospel, that it is salvation by grace through faith as we come to a cross where a Savior died and rose again for my sin. Draw them home to that Savior this morning, Lord. I pray even as we take our offering this morning that it would be from hearts that are just in love with you, grateful for you, and want to worship you with all that we are. In Jesus' name.